you're just, uh, if you're here for the first time in a few weeks, uh, we started a journey in a new series. Our series is entitled Learning to Pray the Lord's Way. And this was kind of birthed in my heart this summer as we walk through a praying life. So each Wednesday night, we gather together in our adult Bible study in the summertime, and we started talking about prayer. We talked about uh, things in prayer that uh, we've noticed throughout the course of our lives with Christ that have been effective, ways that we've seen God move, things that we struggle with in prayer. And I wanted to pause and say, you know, what does Jesus want us to know about prayer? And, and, and what I mentioned a, a few weeks ago was this. This is the most amazing thing to me. Of all the miracles that Jesus accomplished in his earthly ministry, of all the things that he did, the primary thing in which his disciples asked him was, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? And so we call it the Lord's Prayer, and rightfully so, because Jesus walks us word by word through this instruction on what true prayer looks like. And so we've taken some time each week to look at one verse of Scripture in this passage to consider what Jesus wants us to know about how we can learn to pray the Lord's way. And so in the beginning of Matthew 6, verse 9, we looked at our Father, focusing on our Father. What does it mean that God is our Father? All right, and that he's in heaven and hallowed be his name. And this past week we talked about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean to surrender your will to God's will? We said the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality that exists in our hearts that one day will be a physical reality upon the second coming of Jesus. But we become more like Christ when we give him the seat that he rightfully deserves on the throne of our hearts. Now we're going to be moving down just one more verse, okay? We're going to go to verse 11 in Matthew chapter 6, and the title of our message here today is Depending on Our Daily Bread, Depending on Our Daily Bread. And so what I'd like to do is what I typically do is prime your hearts and your minds for the message here by giving you something to think about, and here's what I'd like for you to think about this morning, question I'd like to ask. Do you depend on God for the little things as much as you do the big things in your daily life. Stop and think, okay? Be honest with yourself. Do you depend on God for every little thing, the way that you go to God in your prayer closet for the big things when the world's crashing down around you? Because if, if God is our Father, we said that in week one, and His kingdom is coming and His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, then He cares about the little things as much as he does the big things. So if surrendering to his will, if that key word last week was surrender, I think the key word this week is dependence. God wants us to depend on him the way that any child would depend on a good father. In fact, before we walk into Matthew chapter 6, can you do this with me? Put your mind and your heart back in Genesis chapter 1 in the Garden of Eden. All right, we mentioned this a few weeks ago, how God intended to be father over his creation, and that father-child relationship was fractured because of sin. But go back to Genesis chapter 1 and think about Adam and Eve and their early dependence upon the father before sin got in the way, okay? Think about this for just a moment. A good father is someone that we depend on for purpose, provision, and direction. Now, let me start with purpose. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. 
It says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Adam and Eve did not have to wonder why they were there or what they were doing because God as Father gave them purpose. He also gave them provision. You move down just two more verses. Genesis 1, 29 through 30, it says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Big and small. God provided big needs and small needs. He was provider that gave them purpose, provider that gave them provision. He also gave them direction. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So here's, what, here's God's intention from the very beginning. God created Adam and Eve, and he wanted to be to them a father, and them to him their children, and he simply wanted them to completely depend on him, trust in him, obey him, and he gave them everything they needed. They had purpose. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the living creatures. I've given you dominion. And he gave them provision. He said, I'm giving you plants with seed, and I'm giving you trees with fruit, and I'm, all the beasts of the, the earth and bird of the heavens to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, all the plants for food, I've given them for you. And then finally, direction. Put them in the garden and said, tend to it. And he said to Adam, take care of this garden. And he said to Eve, be his helpmate. All they had to do was trust and obey and experience this wonderful dependence upon the Father. Now, this is, the, this is where Satan comes in, and this is where everything is fractured. Absolutely everything is fractured. I mean, it is just a scandal what Satan does here, because what Satan does is try to convince Adam and Eve that they can't depend on God because God the Father is withholding from them something really good. I mean, that's what Satan does when he slithers his way into the garden. He says, God did not surely say you will die. He knows that if you eat of it, you're going to be like him. And so they stop depending on the Father because they start thinking to themselves, God's holding something back. And I can't depend on someone who won't give me what I really need. And that sin brought frac a fractured relationship, and they could no longer depend on the Father. Now, enter in Jesus Christ as we get ready to open up the context of Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Jesus is restoring the relationship that God initially desired for us to have in the Garden of Eden. As Jesus is praying, verse after verse in the Lord's Prayer, what he's saying is, Listen to how I pray. Watch how I depend on my Father and do what I'm doing. Pray like I'm praying. Depend on Him like I depend on Him. That's really the tone of this passage. I mean, we talked in last week in the book of John how there's a constant dependence on the Father. 
I mean, listen to John 5, 19. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. That's dependence. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, fully dependent upon the Father. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you better depend on the same one that I'm, fo- I'm depending on, and that's the Father. We were surrendered to his will, but we have to be dependent on what he provides as our Father. So, what's the big idea? What do I want us to see as we walk through this one verse that we've, we've all recited a million times in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11? In one sentence, I'd say this. To pray the Lord's way, we must learn to depend daily on our Father for exactly what we need and exactly when we need it. A good Father will always give us what we need, and He will give it to us when we need it. So, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Matthew. It will be in chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you or beside you. It will be on page 964 in your pew Bibles. And if you would stand at this time out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy infallible, inerrant word. We're in Matthew chapter 6. As we've done each week, I'm going to read the entire Lord's Prayer, verses 9 through 13, but then we're going to pause and really focus on verse 11. So hear God's word, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you and praise you for the day that you have made. Father, we confess to you that there is a dependence that we need to have, that we want to have in your, your provisions, Father. But our sin clouds our judgment. And what's been broken by sin, Jesus is restoring. So, Father, we just pray that the words of Jesus would speak to our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would open our minds to see that you desire for us to depend on you for everything. Help us, Father, to really see what you want us to see and to respond to this word in repentance and faith this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. I've prayed that a thousand times. You've probably prayed that a thousand times. Even the a new Christians heard the Lord's Prayer, so we've prayed this. But let's, let's take a step closer. Let's look and see what God is revealing to us in this one sentence in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. First, I want to stop and talk about this idea of bread. Why, why is he mentioning bread? Why does Jesus not use other terminology? Well, the thing about bread is it represents our basic staple needs as human beings. Bread is a foundational staple food of life, okay? Think about this. And I know we got a fellowship meal afterwards, so I'm just priming the pump for a good, a good lunch here in a few minutes. With bread, you, you, you got rolls, baguettes, loaves, crackers, bagels, crumpets, muffins, rice cakes, tortillas, They all have the same basic life element. It's got wheat, it's got flour, it's got sustenance. This is is bread. In fact, think about this. If you ever watch uh, movies where there's criminals in solitary confinement, they give them just enough to survive. What do they give them? It's bread and water. 
Bread represents our very, very basic needs. And here's something special about bread. All the areas of bread that I just mentioned all represent different cultures that need it in the same way, but enjoy it in different ways. Okay? Rolls, Italian. Tell you more about that in a second. Baguettes, French. Tortillas, Mexican. Rice cakes, crazy Americans. (laughs) I mean, you just walk through this, right? Culture changes, but our basic needs don't. Now, I say this part jokingly and part true. When I was growing up in the south suburbs of Philadelphia, my great aunts, which would have been my grandfather's sisters, came over from Naples, Italy, and they had bread and pasta with every meal. And I'm not kidding you when I say this. So Thanksgiving, turkey, dressing, stuff, you know, uh, green beans, and then linguine and, a, and three or four rolls for every single person. You got, to, you got to Christmas, you had your seafood, then you had ravioli and some rolls. You got to Easter, you had your, Christmas, you had your Easter ham, sweet potatoes, spaghetti, rolls. The right hand was for the fork, the left hand was for the bread. It was a, it's a staple part of our diet, it's a part of our culture, it's a part of who we are. By the way, there's not too many of us in this community, but if you have me, Joel, or Larry Guido at your house... Fork goes on the right, bread goes on the left. It's what we're used to, right? It's culture. But it's a staple need. All right? Every every one of us knows that this bread is what we need to sustain us. Day by day, week by week, it's everything we need to live another day to glorify God. So this idea of bread goes a lot further than just food. It's the basic needs that we have to live on this earth. And when we ask God to provide it, We're trusting and depending that he will, that he knows our needs, and that he's going to provide our needs. So here's what I want to do in our time together. I want to take this one sentence, give us this day our daily bread, and I want to break it up into four parts. All right, I want to savor God's word this morning, and I want to think about if this this comes right off the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you that have red-letter Bibles, all these words in red, all right, I want to look at each word in red and say, what does Jesus really want me to know about what he's saying here? All right, so the first of the four things I'd like to take a look at is, number one, let's look at the imperative to give. All right, the imperative to give. That first word, give us this day our daily bread. Let's focus on the word give. All right, give is an imperative. What does it mean? It's a direct command. It is a direct statement. We're not saying, God, if you would, would you please... Maybe if, if you don't have too much going on, provide what I need today. No, it's an imperative. And it's imperative that sometimes makes people uncomfortable because we say, God is to be worshiped and glorified. How dare you stand before God and say, give us this day our daily bread. But that's how Jesus instructs us to pray. And I'll, in a moment, I'm going to share why I think that honors God when we speak in that tone. But first, when we say give, there's, there's, a, there's a tacit assumption that the, at the person we're asking to give us something, they have what we need. And our Father has all that we need. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the great provider. There's nothing we need that He does not already know and that He does not already have. So when we go to Him as a child and look up at our Father and say, give us this day our daily bread, we are trusting and depending that He can and that He will give us what we need. There's, a, there's many different names of God in the scriptures, but one of the names that comes from a transliteration of some words in the Old Testament in Hebrew is the term Jehovah Jireh. 
Jehovah Jireh is another way of saying God will provide. In fact, it comes from this story in Genesis chapter 22. Perhaps you remember the story where Abraham is called to go up on this mountain and to sacrifice his son Isaac, and he doesn't know how all this is going to work out. He tells everyone that me and Isaac, you know, we're coming back. He doesn't know how it's all going to work out. We learn in the New Testament he probably thought that Isaac would die and be raised from the dead. But just as he's, he's got the knife and he's ready to kill his own son and sacrifice his own son, an angel of the Lord comes and stops him and then reminds him that there's a ram in the thicket. And God provided the sacrifice. So in remembrance of that, they renamed the mountain God Will Provide. And it reminds us that God is the good provider for all of our needs. It is our Father who can and desires to provide them to us. Now, how do we honor God by this word give? In fact, I thought about this um, recently. So at my, my sister's house in Richmond, Virginia, my two nieces are both in grade school. And they, they um, pray that prayer that maybe you've heard, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. And we get to the end, and it's give us, Lord, our daily bread. But they've switched it up at that house to say, thank you, Lord, for our daily bread. Because I remember my sister saying to me, it feels weird saying, give us this day. It just feels like we're demanding something of God. But I, I see it differently than maybe I have even a few months ago. Here's what I think. When a child goes up to their father and says, give me what I need, there's a way that that honors God in two ways, in asking and in trusting. Let me talk about asking. You honor God by asking him, give me this daily bread that I need, because you're, you're basically telling him, I need something and I know you can provide it. And how do we do that? We do that through prayer. I love this quote from Thomas Watson. It says, the tree of mercy will not drop its fruit unless shaken by the hand of prayer. Think about that. Bubba, Long Greer, you, this weekend, you, you had some trees shaking in your property, right? Some pecans were showering down on your property. Why did you pay someone to come and shake those trees? Because you wanted something that, that, that would bless you and, and, and improve your quality of life by those pecans falling down among you. It's the same thing with God. He's got all the pecans we need. We've got to shake the tree a little bit. And we go by prayer and we say, give us this day our daily bread. He's not put off by that imperative because it's a child in in innocence and in trust just saying, I need this, give it to me. And God offers it. But then there's also trusting. Fathers are honored when their children trust them in such a way that they just assume their needs are going to be met. I'm not talking about wants, we'll get to that in a minute, but needs. I'm a young husband and a young father. But the way in which my family honors me more than anything else, it's nothing they even say or do. It's walking into the house and them not worrying that the roof's going to be over their head. Them not worrying that we're going to have enough money for food in the refrigerator. Them not worrying that I'm going to do my best to protect them from, from any uh, invaders or whoever would try to, to, you know, to compromise the security of my loved ones in my home. There's an honor in them simply trusting me And in that trust, they're not worried about the basic needs because those needs are being met because I'm doing everything I can to provide them. So when we say to God, give us this day our daily bread, there's a tacit assumption of trust. We know he's going to give it because he has it and he wants to give it to us. And so when we go to him in that tone for what we need, not what we want, but what we need, it brings him honor. It really does. Now, I get it. It feels weird to say, give me to God. I have this picture in my head. Has anyone ever seen the movie A League of Their Own? 
uh, came out in the late 90s. So I have this vision in my head of this, this character from A League of Their Own. It was this, uh, this portly little uh, 10 or 11-year-old boy named Stillwell. And in the movie, Stillwell's running up and down the aisle of the bus saying, gimme, 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 gimme. And he's got chocolate all over his face. And his mother gives him another candy bar and he grabs it and eats it. And it says, gimme, 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 gimme. That's not the tone of this passage. It's not. We're, not. we're not taking advantage of God. We're not trying to manipulate God. Jesus is simply saying, you don't have to ask if you could. You can say, give. And you know, because he's a good father, he will give you your daily bread. So that right there is the imperative to give. All right, look at the next word. Number two, let's look at the implications for us. All right, why does Jesus not say, give me this day my daily bread, but instead says, give us this day our daily bread? I believe it's because if we honor God as Father, there's a twofold change that takes place in our life. Number one, that we're adopted into His family as a child. And number two, if we're part of the kingdom, we're now in a kingdom that's greater than just ourselves. Remember we said before you become a Christian, your kingdom in your heart is the kingdom that you rule. You're the, you're the king on your own throne. But when you say, not my will but yours, your kingdom come, your will be done, you're part of God's kingdom. So when, we, when he says, give us this day our daily bread, again, there's another assumption that we know that we're in the family of God, but we're also in a new kingdom, and we're not the only one that exists in this kingdom. And so as we ask God to provide for us, we're also asking God to provide for the rest of our family. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I think it's pretty plain, but there's a sweet memory in my life that reminds me of this, of how when a family is, their hearts are knitted together, they just naturally pray for one another and ask that God would meet the other person's needs. So there's a tradition in my family around Christmas time. It's, my mom started this when I was just a child. Uh, we, we light bayberry candles. So what we do on Christmas Eve is uh, we typically have dinner. We're always able to open one present each and leave the rest under the tree. And before we go to bed, we all gather around the table, and we have these bayberry candles in these, in these glass holders. And uh, if there's anybody that works for the fire department, this is going to make you really nervous here. Uh, we all stand around the table, and we, we, we pray, well, be honest with you, we make a wish, okay? This is a lot more fun than it is actual spiritual. But we all make a wish and light the wick, and we all go to bed with the candles lit, and we wake up in the morning. Uh, the old wives' tale is those whose wick burned all the way down to the bottom gets their wish. So we've been doing that since I was a kid. Well, one time in my early 20s, this is before I was a believer in Christ, I had an awful year, and I came home for Christmas. I don't know where I, uh, what I was up to, but I just remember I just had a really depressing holiday season. Perhaps you've had one of those. The holidays can be amazing, but they can also be incredibly depressing if you're not in a good spot in life. And I just remember wishing, okay, this is before I was praying, <laughs> I remember wishing that something would happen, that my life would change. And uh, I woke up the next morning. And my candle had blown out well before I got down to the very bottom. So it just kind of added to my discouragement. And I about broke into tears. I was so frustrated. And my little brother, my little brother's three years younger than me. So he would have been right around 20 or 21 at the time. He put his arm around me and said, it's okay. My wish was that your wish would come true. I've never forgotten that one sweet little moment I had with my little brother with all the times I wanted to 
knocked the lights out of him. <laughs> he, in a rare moment, went, again, this is not as spiritual as, I, I mean, he was not praying, we were wishing. It was just a fun family tradition. But he sacrificed his wish for mine because he realized we're, we're in this together. We're the same family. And so when Jesus is leading us into prayer, one of the things he's trying to do to break us from this idea that we live in our own kingdom is to say, don't pray, give me this day my daily bread, but give us this day our daily bread. We acknowledge we're part of something greater than ourselves. And so, yes, we do pray that God gives us what we need, but in the same breath, we're asking that God gives our brothers and sisters what they need to. Give us this day our daily bread. So let's look a little further. Number three, let's look at the immediacy in this day. Let's look at the immediacy in this day. So it says, give us this day our daily bread. Real simple here. How do you cultivate dependence upon someone? One day at a time. Day by day, sometimes even moment by moment, putting one foot in front of the other, following the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in him for today, and not even thinking too far ahead to tomorrow, God is recultivating that dependence that he desired for us to have in the garden before sin got in the way. And Jesus is saying the way back to gar- the Garden of Eden, the way back there is day by day dependence. Day by day. He's telling us to depend on him. One of the passages of scripture that I love that perfectly illustrates this is Proverbs chapter 30. Verses 7 through 9, okay? Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Listen to this. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is Lord? or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So here's what the the author of the proverb is saying. Don't give me too much, more than what I need, because then I'm going to say, who are you? I don't need you anymore. But don't give me too little, or I'm going to starve and say, aren't you a good father? Don't give me too much or give me too little. Give me what I need for this day. This day. That's where dependence is cultivated. Now, think biblically for a minute. If you remember your, your history in the Old Testament, there's a way that God cultivated this day-by-day dependence, and surprise, surprise, he did it with bread, and it was the bread that we call manna. If you remember manna, okay, they, they went through the exodus in Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they go into the wilderness, and, and God says, I'm going to feed you. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to shower down this sweet, flaky bread from heaven that we call manna. But what else did he say in that time? He said, I'm going to give you enough for today, and if you try to hoard it up for tomorrow, it's going to stink. It's going to gather worms. I'm purposely not going to let you hoard it up. Trust in me for today, and I will give you what you need tomorrow, tomorrow. So again, even in Gen- even in Exodus, God is cultivating that dependence upon him. And over and over and over, the Israelites are failing this test because they're trying to hoard up all that extra manna because they're worried that that he might not come through tomorrow the way he came through today. But Jesus is saying, nope, we're going to get back to the Garden of Eden. Give us this day our daily bread. Not for tomorrow, but for a day-by-day relationship on what it is that we need. 
Now let me pause for a word of application here. Seek your own hearts. Is there something that you feel like you need? Not today, maybe next week. Maybe not next week, maybe even next month. But right now it's on your mind. How am I going to meet this bill? How am I going to pass this test? I got that on my mind right now. How am I going to get through this? Hear a word from, from the Lord today, straight from heaven. Trust in Him for today. Don't even think about tomorrow. It's not that we shouldn't plan, okay? We, we, we have to plan in case Jesus does not come back to get us tomorrow. But in our planning, we don't always know how God's going to provide. If you're in this sanctuary right now and you're nervous about not having what you think you need tomorrow or next week or next month, hear the words of Jesus Christ who says, ask for this day what you need. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Day by day, dependence upon the Father. That's what he wants from you. That's what Jesus is leading us into. And so we looked at the imperative to give, the implications for us, the immediacy in this day. Let's look at the end of the passage here. Let's look at the importance of our daily bread. At the very end of the passage here, give us this day our daily bread. If I had to sum up our daily bread, I'd say simply this. Our daily bread is what we need when we need it. Not before, not after. Not too much or too little. It is what we need when we need it. God wants to provide it if we ask for it. And that's what he's leading us into. And oh, this blesses my heart. All right, I'm going to pull a Ronnie Sykes on you here. Okay, for anyone who's in Ronnie Sykes' Sunday school class. The way to really get the tone of this passage is to back up just a little bit, all right? Back up just a little bit. We start reading the Lord's Prayer in verse 9, but listen to verses 7 through 8, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 8 says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Here's the key. Verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. How awesome is it that we have a father that knows every single thing we need. He knows everything about us. He knows his will for our life. He knows the gifts and the purposes of those gifts. He knows everything. You know, one of the great frustrations of my life is I always feel like I'm misunderstood. I feel like even since I was a kid, I've tried so hard to explain why I think the way I think and why I do the things I do, sometimes not well or sinfully, but why I'm wired the way I'm wired. And sometimes you can get so frustrated trying to explain why you are the way you are. Well, when it comes to the Father, there is no need for explanation. God knows what you need. He knows who you are. He knows where you're going to be. He's one step ahead of you. So why do we ask if he already knows? Because he's cultivating in your heart dependence upon him. And what joy it is to depend on someone that knows you better than you know yourself. Sometimes I think in all of my silliness, the things that I wrestle with in my life, that I just pray sometimes I could just be alone with God the Father and hear him like a father just kind of smile and chuckle and say, Oh, Bo. If you only knew what I knew, if you only knew what I was preparing you for, if you'd only let go of these silly little things and just trust me, depend on me, stop looking ahead, stop, let, let go of what's behind and trust me for this day, this day. 
you know, a long time ago, Larry Guido taught me that God answers prayer in two ways. His answers are either yes or my grace is sufficient. Either way, he knows our needs and we're not going to miss out on them. He knows we need our daily bread. So how do I sum all this up? This one sentence that we've prayed a thousand times. Well, we've looked at the physical needs of our day, but let's look to the great spiritual need here as we sum it up. In order to call down God's kingdom, our hearts must bow down to Christ's lordship. And let me just say this. Learning to depend on the Father today for our daily bread prepares us to depend on the Son eternally as our bread of life. Do you know why manna was showering down from heaven? Because God was preparing the hearts of the Israelites to feast on the one true bread that was coming down from heaven that would feed them not just for one day, but forever. Over and over and over, there are these these types and shadows and symbols of Jesus Christ. He is our bread from heaven. He is what we need. Our daily bread is not just... It's not just the money in the bank. It's not just the food in the fridge. Those are important, and that's a a big part of why, why he's asking us to pray for our daily bread. But spiritually, the big picture, Jesus is saying, trust in me. I am your daily bread. He says this in John chapter 6, verse 35. He says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's Jesus Christ who ultimately not only provides, but is our daily bread. He's the bridge back to the Father. He's the way in which we can cultivate this father-child relationship, and we can learn to depend on him the way God desired us to depend on him in the Garden of Eden before sin entered in. He's fully God, reaching down to mankind. He's fully man, reaching up to God, so that he takes the hand of God and the hand of man and reunites them once again on the cross. He is our daily bread. So as we enter into invitation, I, wanna, I just want to put this out there for, for, for everyone in this room. If you are living, depending on yourself right now, for all the things that you need, physical and spiritual, You have a bootstrap theology. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You make it happen by blood, sweat, and tears. You're the one that puts the food on the table. You're the one that brings the bacon home. You're the one that that does every single thing. Let me ask you, according to what Jesus wants us to pray, are you trying to take the Father's job for Him? Are you trying to depend on yourself what only God can do? Are you, are you stressed? Are you frustrated right now wondering how am I going to get through this week or this month on what I'm doing, on what I have? I pray that as we prayed last week that we would surrender to his will. Today we would depend upon his provision. We'd go to him as a child to a father and just say, give us this day our daily bread. You know my need, Father. You know the need of my brothers and my sisters. Would you just give us what we need We want to depend on you. And if you're here today and you would say that you have never fully trusted in Jesus Christ as the bread of life, you have reason to try to provide for yourself because you know God as creator, but you don't yet know him as father. And he desires for you to know him as father, but for you to re-engage that relationship that he started in Eden that was broken by sin There's only one way. 
repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance, admitting that you've turned away from him and depended on yourself. Faith, trusting that all that he did on the cross, his perfect life, sacrificial death, supernatural resurrection, heavenly ascension, Jesus has paid it all, he's done it all. Can he, could he, would he? Yes, he can, he could, he would, and he did. And if you put your trust in him, you will feed off the bread of life. And Jesus says you'll never be hungry again. Your needs will be met for all of eternity. I offer that same invitation to you. It's not from me, but from God. I'm just a conduit. Come and pray. If there's something you're not trusting in and not depending on the Father for, make it right with him today. Come and confess to him and depend on our daily bread. Let us pray together. Father, there are, so, there are so many souls in this room, myself included, that have been, been pulling the heavy weight ourselves for so long. We're tired, we're frustrated. And Father, we know that we're carrying weight we should never have tried to carry on our own. You are the Father who provides, and you're asking us to depend, to just simply trust and obey. So, Father, would you forgive us and cultivate in our hearts a new dependence upon you? Be with us and help us to enter into this kingdom through surrender and through dependence on you as our good and loving Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.